Just break its neck and land like magic on your front stoop, you're still not allowed to stuff it, or even to store its body in the freezer. Technically, you're not even allowed to keep one of its feathers. That's how protected they are. I learned this at a now-defunct taxidermy shop in midtown Manhattan. But if you're really interested, the clerk I spoke to said, I've got a little something you might want to see. He stepped into the back room and returned with what I could only identify as a creature. What we've done, he boasted, is stretch a chicken over an owl form. That's really something, I said, groping for a compliment. The truth was that even a child would have seen this for what it was, the beak made from what looked to be a bear claw, the feet with their worn-down pedestrian talons. I mean, please, this was what a chicken might wear to a Halloween party if she had ten minutes to throw a costume together. Let me think about it, I said. Years later, we moved to Paris, where within my first week, I found an albino peacock. I found swans and storks and all manner of seabirds, but again, no owls, because stuffing them is forbidden in France. In the UK, though, it's a slightly different story. You can't go out and shoot one, certainly. They're protected in life just as they are in the U.S., but afterward, in death, things loosen up a bit. Most of the owls I saw in Great Britain had been stuffed during the Victorian era. I'd see them in English flea markets and in Scottish antique shops, but as is always the case, the moment you decide to buy one, they're nowhere to be had. I needed one, or decided I did, in February 2008. Hugh and I were moving from our apartment to a house in Kensington, and after going through our owl objects and deciding we could do without nine-tenths of them, I thought I'd get him the real thing for Valentine's Day. I should have started looking a month or two in advance, but with Christmas and packing and helping to ready our new place, it had slipped my mind. Thus, I wound up on February 13th, calling a London taxidermy shop and asking if they had any owls. The person who answered the phone told me that he had two of them, both recent specimens and freestanding, not behind glass as most of the old ones are. The store was open only by appointment, and after arranging to come by the following afternoon, I went to where Hugh was packing books in the next room and said, I am giving you the best Valentine's Day gift ever. This is one of those things I do and immediately hate myself for. How is the other person supposed to respond? What's the point? For the first 18 years we were together, I'd give Hugh chocolates for Valentine's Day, and he'd give me a carton of cigarettes. Both of us got exactly what we wanted, and it couldn't have been easier. Then I quit smoking and decided that in place of cigarettes, I needed, say, an 18th century scientific model of the human throat. It was life-size, about four inches long, and because it was old, handmade, and designed to be taken apart for study, it cost quite a bit of money. When did Valentine's Day turn into this, he asked, when I told him he had to buy it for me. What could I say? Like everything else, holiday gifts escalate. The presents get better and better until one year you decide you don't need anything else and start making donations to animal shelters. Even if you hate cats and dogs, you're somehow always the ones who benefit. Eventually, we'll celebrate by spaying a few dozen kittens, I said, but until that day comes, I want that throat. On Valentine's Day, I carried a few boxes from our apartment to the house we'd bought. It looked like the sort of place where Scrooge might have lived, a narrow brick building, miserly in terms of space, 
and joined two identical, equally grim houses on either side of it. From there, I walked around the corner and got on the underground. The taxidermy shop was on a quiet street in North London, and as I approached, I saw a man and his two sons with their faces pressed against the barred front windows. A polar bear, one of the boys shouted. The other tugged on his father's coat. And a penguin! Look at the baby penguin! My heart raced. The man who owned the shop was so much taller than me that in order to look him in the eye, I had to throw my head all the way back, like I do at the dentist's office. He had enviably thick hair, and as he opened the door to let me in, I noticed an orange kitten positioned on the floor beside a Dalmatian puppy. Casting a shadow upon them was a rabbit standing upright on its hind legs, and above him, on a shelf, sat two tawny owls, each mounted to a stump and standing around twenty inches high. Both were female.